from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. Today I'm very pleased joining me from Tennessee, Ryan England. Ryan. The way I love to do it, I keep it to my guests to introduce themselves because I believe no one can introduce someone better than themselves. So the stage is yours. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I am the founder CEO of Core Matters, and we are a training and coaching company that partners with growing businesses, those that want to scale and help them implement our process so that they can attract, hire, and retain better frontline employees. Uh, it's something I'm super passionate about, which we'll dig into, I'm sure. So nice. Uh, actually, Ryan, uh, this topic is, you know, always hot topic, right? Recruitment and uh, hiring and retaining people. So first of all, like if you can tell me what attracted you to be, honestly speaking, because some people, they say it's like a, it's a kind of a headache. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, I get it. Well. I mean, I'm not going to give you the whole long version of the story, but I grew up in a blue collar entrepreneurial family. My dad was an owner operator and I watched him work crazy hours slaving away at the business um, just so he could provide for the family. And really a lot of his personal goals were never achieved because he was never able to get out of the day to day. And I think a lot of that happened because as I grew up, I got to see this. He wasn't able to attract and hire a really well-functioning team all the way up until the time where he got to started exiting the business, he still struggled to get people. And so I went down in college, I went down this HR route. I really wanted to be in human resources. I love the people side of business. And uh, once I got out of college, I did not go in that. I went into sales, I went into banking and I did, I got to see how corporate does recruiting. I got to see how corporate hires people and retains them and fires them and reshuffles them and does all of the madness that they do. And so when I started my own business, uh, my goal was really to help entrepreneurs and growing businesses scale their business uh, originally through marketing, creating great connections with the people that they serve. And about four years into it, I had a bunch of clients come to me and say, hey, I can't take leads anymore. I'm stuck. I don't have enough people to do the work. And so unless we can fix that problem, I don't need leads. So I scrambled and, and put together my years of experience in recruiting and hiring and systems and processes and tech. And I had one client, I called him back a couple of weeks after this whole thing started. And I said, how's it going? They go, we just hired four people. We got two more techs on the way, turn the leads back on. I was like, wow, that was a lot of fun. I actually helped them hire and really overcome a challenge that they struggled in their business. So as I started calling other clients, they all had the same problem. They all struggled with the same thing, which is being able to attract and hire really good people. And uh, so over the next decade, I put together a process and a system. And I said, here's how we do this. Not just hiring them, but how do you keep them? And that's what we do today is we just help our clients install that process and get it up, 
how to use it. I like to say we teach people how to fish for good employees. Nice, nice. Now, let's try to dissect, you know, the problem, right? So sure. it, it, it's something hard, you know, every, no, everyone knows about it. Like, But let's start, you know, what are, let's say, if you, if you say the top two or three challenges, you know, usually uh, businesses they face when they want to attract talents or they want to hire, let's say. Yeah. So you've probably heard this phrase before, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have, but people don't leave jobs. They leave bosses. We've heard that before. They leave managers. They leave people. They leave teams. They leave toxic cultures. So if we know this to be true, and everybody I've ever asked this question to says, yeah, that's true. They leave bad bosses. If we know that to be true, then we know the reason that they're looking for work. It's not that they want to make more money. It's not that they want a different job. It's that they want a different boss. That's why they're looking for work. They want a different boss. If you go out and you recruit somebody and they're open to talking to the recruiter, it's because they want a different boss. Sure, there's the outliers that, hey, there's an opportunity for a promotion or I can make more money over here. Hey, my, my, I'm not getting, I got overturned for that promotion. But most of those things, when you boil them down, are all about finding a different place to work. And so a, a different boss to work for. And so what happens is I think most companies forget this fact. They forget what drives the people to look for work and they focus on pay and benefits and all these things that nobody really cares about. But if you really want to attract good people, focus on the fact that they want a new boss. Focus on promoting who you are as a leader, what your organization is like from a culture perspective. Focus on the things that they want in a new job. And that's going to help you attract better people. Yeah. Uh, that phrase is very famous, of course. And, uh, but yeah, like, you know, I never saw someone who left the company because, uh, you know, if, if they are happy, they would do it. They, they will stay. Right. So they, yeah. they will not change. Uh, and uh, yeah, like and the people who, who usually, you know, they were running only after money. I've seen them crashing very badly. You yes. know? <laughs> yeah. So, so now. Let me ask you, because as I was mentioning to you before we start, like, you know, we focus on, on tech companies and even like small businesses. So let me put it in this way. First, do you think that there is a scarce of, you know, proper talents that these startups and small businesses they can hire? Or is it just a myth? I think it's easier for companies to play the victim and say, oh, there's no good people out there than it is to really look inward and say, maybe I'm the problem. There are industries that have labor shortages. We do a lot of work in the blue collar space. So think construction and the trades and plumbers and electricians and all of that. And like I was telling you, I have 20 years I spent in IT before I started doing this. I really, I, I love the tech space. But I think that the fact that they can't find good people or they can't find anybody, here, here's a brutal truth that I think a lot of people listening need to understand right now. It's not that there aren't any good people out there. What it is, is that the good people, they probably don't want to come work for you. Mm. So when we talk about attracting people, 
if you're not attracting good people, consider that you might not be attractive to good people. And I think that's the, the big shift that a lot of companies need to make is they need to make it less about the pay and the benefits and the what's the employee going to do for me as the employer. And it needs to be more on what am I going to do for you? And not just always your career, but personally. The number one pe reason people look for new work right now or the number one thing that attracts them to a new job is personal training and development. People want to become better people. They don't want to just become a better coder or a better support desk manager or help desk manager. They don't want to become better at that. They want to become better people. So how can you train and invest in them? And where I think most companies mess up is they promote, oh, we're going to do all this training and all this stuff, and you're going to have all these great ways to learn. And then when the rubber hits the road, all of a sudden it's, well, I'm only going to take care of that training because that benefits me as the employer. I'm not interested in what you are interested in what is going to benefit me. And that's where we end up running into problems. Yeah. Uh, but let's also see it from the other side. Do you think also sometimes that the job seekers themselves, they, uh, you know, they have something on their side also as well. Maybe they are not doing enough work to be in the front of, you know, these recruiters that they are trying to find, you know, the right skills and the right talents. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think that it's, uh, I mean, it's a dance, right? It's an employee-employer relationship for a reason. And I think that there is a lot that job seekers can do to really better promote themselves. And uh, But it all comes down to branding. Like at the end of the day, it's all about branding. And if a job seeker has uh, a bunch of pictures on their social media showing them doing keg stands and partying all weekend, you know, or or making fun of their boss or those kinds of things, like that's going to hurt their prospects. But I think what happened was the internet, the proliferation of social media and the internet has really made the conversation change in that people are able to now have a conversation without fear of immediate consequence because the conversations happen so fast. And I think with COVID, what really happened there is it exposed the fact that employers have been treating employees pretty poorly for a long time. And we saw it in some certain industries where the employees were just treated like garbage during COVID and the employers did very little to back them up. Now, I don't want to say it was everyone, but a lot of them, uh, it was real poor. And so with the gig economy, with technology, with the things that are out there right now, employees have options. They don't need a nine to five. They don't need to work 40 hours a week. They don't have to drive two hours in rush hour traffic to come to your office. They have mm -hmm. options. And as employers, we need to understand that we have to be better than those options. And if we don't take the time to do that, it's going to be a real challenge to attract the right people. That's a good point, Ryan. Like uh, the options are more available for the job seekers or the employees, let's say. But we still see, unfortunately, I would say some employers or some companies that they insist, for example, no, I want you to be in the office. You know, I don't accept hybrid or full remote or, you know, these kinds of things. And I think this is why we, we start to hear about, you know, the you know, people, they want to leave actually the, the corporate world and start to be on themselves and, and so on. But still, I believe, you know, like we still have, we will, there still should be that kind of companies, businesses, because, you know, like the world cannot run only on, on like, uh, 
individual contributors, if I would say. But one thing I saw, you know, when I was preparing the episode and, you know, and this term like, you know, attracted me and I wanted to understand from you what is it. So, and then I will tell you, you because you put it as a challenge. So what is applicants ghosting? What what is that term, uh, Ryan? Yeah. So ghosting, it's, it's a term that actually came out of the dating world, but it's basically when someone ceases all communication with you without a reason. So in the employer world, what happens is, let's say that someone applies for a job with me and I reach out to them and I was like, oh my gosh, I love your resume. This sounds great. Can we schedule an interview for two o'clock tomorrow? And they're like, yeah, I'm so excited. I'll be there. Two o'clock tomorrow rolls around and they don't show. They don't show up. And then I text them or I email them or I phone call them and I can't get a hold of them and they don't return my messages. And then a week goes by and I'm still chasing them. Like I was really excited. I thought you were really excited. And then nothing. And we are seeing this employers are seeing this more and more than ever before and where they just stop all communication for no reason whatsoever. And in our research and in the work we do, we found that there are a few different reasons why that happens. But the biggest reason it happens is that employers don't give the job seeker something to lose by not showing up. They have no skin in the game. The job seeker doesn't care about you as the recruiter because you didn't give them a reason to care about you as the recruiter or as the entrepreneur. They didn't, you didn't give them a reason. See, if you could personally connect with someone, you don't ghost your friends. You don't ghost the people you care about. But when you have no personal connection, remember, People are looking for a new boss, not just a new job. When they don't connect with the person they're talking to or scheduling the interview with, they've got, no, they got nothing to lose if they just stop communicating. In fact, for a lot of people, it's easier because they know how desperate employers are. You're going to pull out all the big guns and, and do what you can to, to twist their arm to get them in there. And they just don't want to deal with that. Cool. Let me be a little bit kind of the devil advocate here, Ryan. Yeah. But, uh, People complain sometimes that it happens from the other side as well. So basically someone, maybe he does the initial call and then he get to call to, you know, set up a call with the hiring manager oh, and yeah. then things stops and disappear. Right. So, oh, don't get me that... wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Employers <laughs> cause this. I don't blame the job seekers one bit. Employers have trained an entire generation of workers to believe that we don't care about them. Mm -hmm. We've trained them. Two thirds of people that apply for a job will never hear back from the company. Two thirds will wow. never hear back. Employers have been ghosting job seekers for decades. And now they're whining because job seekers are like, wait a minute, we can do this too. And so, yeah, don't get me wrong. I don't blame the job seekers one bit. We conditioned them that way. We trained them. We showed them, hey, we don't care enough to tell you we're not offering you the job. So why should you care enough to say you don't want the job anymore? So yeah, you know, I don't yeah. advocate with me on that one. I, the employer has screwed that one up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, either way, like I, I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm, I'm kind, I like to, um, to be balanced, you know, and to be fair with both parties, because by the way, I heard also stories, right. To your point where, um, you know, a company really seriously they look after a guy, they, they even do some, they did some research about him or her. And they mm -hmm. said, yeah, like this is a good talent for us. And yeah. then, you know, 
Yeah, they 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 are okay, you know. They are ignorant. Yeah, I will do it. You know, yeah, I will join the call, but they don't. And yeah, yeah. So sometimes I blame, you know, the employers, and but it's not like I don't blame also sometimes the applicants because some of them, you know, they are just and you know, there's this kind of people who just apply for jobs for the sake of applying for jobs. Like I yeah. think, you know, do you, do you call them? I don't know. Is there a term for that also, Ryan? I don't know that there's any specific term, but I know a lot of people that are applying. It, you know, the job boards made it really easy for job seekers. Uh, you know, most people have a love-hate relationship with the job boards, uh, like Indeed, for example. Y you have to be there. You have to uh, be a part of their ecosystem because that's where all the job seekers are. But at the end of the day, Indeed exists to help people find better jobs. Indeed does not exist to help employers fill jobs. It's in their, mm -hmm. vision, their mission statement. They exist to help people find better jobs. And so everything Indeed has done is around the job seeker and their perspective. And so they made it super easy to apply for 20 jobs in a couple of minutes by just checking boxes. That's what they yeah. Did. So yeah. it made it really easy. And as employers, we, we get the brunt of that and we have to deal with that because now we have to go through all of this. We have to go through all of these people that have applied that really had, you know, had no right applying. Uh, Correct. But, yeah. but yeah, but I, I think it, but it is, it's a two-way street. Like they're both equally responsible for it. You know, our focus has been, if we can help the employers do this stuff better, job seekers will take notice and go, wow, that's a different kind of company. I want to know more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, Ryan, that's a little bit. So we talked about where to find people, you know, like, the, the talent issues. So now let's say, okay, things are going on the right track. Now we're going to go into the hiring process, mm. right? So the hiring process, it's not, I think, always the best way it should. Um, I want to hear your opinion because you, you've experienced in, in this domain. So first, why sometimes the hiring process is broken? It's lengthy and how it can be fixed and optimized well i don't have a problem with a long well let me rephrase that i don't have a problem with spending a lot of time with someone before you hire them i do have a problem with delaying the inevitable of making them an offer telling them it's not a fit uh, but i think the biggest place where it broke and it, we really saw this in probably the last five years or so is employers became so desperate to just fill a position and recruiters are compensated or rewarded based on how many positions they fill, not the quality of people they fill with because quality takes too long to figure out. It's just, did we put a warm body in the seat? And so the shift has really been towards, can we just fill the position as fast as possible? Which means I'm not gonna spend time getting to know them. I'm not gonna spend time letting them get to know me. I'm not going to make sure that there's a culture fit and we actually are going to like each other when we do this whole thing. I'm not going to spend the time. I just need to put a warm body in the seat, get those extra set of hands and get them moving. And there's been this shift towards that. And I think that it hurts both sides, but that's been the problem is we don't slow down and realize why is it that people want to come work for you? It's not the paycheck. You know, the paycheck has been used as a tool, almost weaponized as such to get people to ignore the fact that you're a crummy employer, that you have crappy jobs. Like 
that's what we use the money for. It's like, oh, you don't want these jobs? What if I pay you enough? Like at some point, you'll be able to bribe them with enough dollars that they'll come work for you. Instead of looking inward and saying, how do I become the employer that people want to come work for? How to become that employer of choice? That needs to be the focus. And it's not through unlimited PTO and paid benefit plans and great 401k or stock options or any of that stuff. How do you get people to really want to come join your team and spend time with you? That needs to be the focus. 100%. I was reading a book the other day uh, about building teams, actually, uh, building startups by um, uh, Tony Fadeldo, who is the guy behind the iPod, the iPhone, and he, he dedicated, you know, a chapter regarding, you know, how to build teams. And, you mm. know, he was saying, you know, it's not about the perks and, you know, the, the, the things. It should be about getting people who are aligned to your mission and to your vision and, you know, let them feel that they are, you know, here working with you for, you know, a purpose uh, over there. So this is what you said, just, you know, reminded me of, you know, that part of the book. Now, anything technology, Ryan, can, can do um, to enhance the whole process, whether it's from finding the talent, you know, or let's say matching the talents with the companies, and if it can enhance also what we just discussed now, the process, I mean, yeah. the hiring process. One of my favorite tools, and if you got anybody that's part of, you know, that's listening, that's larger company, they probably have this stuff, but I notice a lot of small businesses don't even know these things exist, but it's called an applicant tracking system. And yeah. uh, for those of you who don't know, an applicant tracking system, it's like your CRM. It's like a customer relationship management tool um, where it, tracks all the people that are in your pipeline, helps you communicate with them, automates follow-up, schedules reminders, those kinds of things, except it does it on the applicant side. It does it on the hiring side. And one of the real neat things about this is you can post the job once in your applicant tracking system and it'll send it to all the job boards for you. Yeah. You can run all of your job board ads through the applicant tracking system. And then when the applications come in, they go into one system and you can assign them out to your team. You can bring people in from your team and say, hey, can you take a look at this? If you've got a hiring manager that needs to take a look at another branch or in the field or something, you can just shoot them an email and say, here's the applicant. And they have all the history, the notes, everything, just like a CRM. You can also automate communication. You can set up your pipelines, workflows. Like you, I geek out on applicant tracking systems for hours. Um, it's a great tool. But just like any tool, it's only good if you know how to use it. I've had a lot of people tell me, oh, we got this applicant tracking system thing and it sucks. And I was like, why does it suck? Well, nobody knows how to use it. Well, the problem isn't the tool. The problem is no one took the time to work with it. That's the problem. And being that you're in the tech space, I mean, I'm a techie and I love technology. I love new software systems and tools and I've demoed probably close to a hundred applicant tracking systems by now. Cause they just, I wow. Them. And um, at the end of the day, they're all the same. Some do some things better than others, but uh, every chance there's a new tool out there, new software, new application. I want to go check it out. And, uh, but I can tell you, I've bought a lot of systems in my time that I mm -hmm. never, never got my return on or never got value out of. Cause I never took the time to really get to know how to use them. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, by the way, just because, I'm, and thank you for bringing 
you know, the part of automation and, you know, how you can integrate things with each other. Um, so because, you know, we hear sometimes and we see this even on social media, LinkedIn mainly, because this is where recruiters and, you know, job seekers, they, yeah. they meet on social media. Yeah, like, you know, uh, we receive uh, like hundreds, thousands of applications yeah. per day. Okay, fine. I can understand this. But what I, you know, I, I argued some one day um, with someone. I said, look, like if you have a, if what if I can tell you, for example, I'm sure like if you're using a tracking system, even an Excel sheet, I said, it doesn't have to be a, a proper thing. I said, yeah. do you know that you can actually just, you know, have two cells, applicant name, and then follow up or don't follow up. And when, the moment you select don't follow up, you can send an email to that person, you know, and saying, hey, thank you for applying, you know, you know, the, the, the very famous email that comes when, when they will tell you that they will not be continuing the application with you. Because one thing, Ryan, and, you know, need to, I love to, to hear thoughts about this, especially because you are in this space. A lot of people tell me, look, we, we don't have problem if we apply to a job and then we receive, you know, an email or, or you know, that, okay, thank you very much for applying. Your profile is good. We're going to move with someone else. But what irritates them is what they never hear back. And they try to reach the hiring manager, no response. So yeah. When they get ghosted. Hear, yes. <laughs> yeah. But, 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 you know, I, I need you to repeat again and, Sorry for, for, for letting you repeat yourself, but because I want this to be, you know, taken into consideration by fellow entrepreneurs, because at some stage they're going to grow their teams. You mm -hmm. know, they're going to grow their, you know, if they, if they are even a business owner today and maybe they are in kind of an SME space, small, medium enterprise or small, medium business, you know why they should care about these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the, especially when you get in the tech space, I mean, the reality is that the industry is small. Everybody knows everybody. And if you start burning bridges because you don't get back to people, it's not going to be long before no one wants to come apply at your place because they did two years ago and you never got back to them. And if you're not tracking that, you'll never know. But yes, you're absolutely right. People apply. They hear nothing. We actually encourage all of our, all, all of our clients, anybody that's in our program, to treat an incoming application like you would a lead, like you would a customer lead. And I ask people all the time, like, how long will you let your sales team sit on a new lead? And someone will inevitably say an hour. And then the CEO will be like, are you kidding me? Five seconds, right? <laughs> like it's one of those things. And I'm like, so why would you let an applicant sit in your inbox for a week? Why would you ever get back to them? You'd never do this with a customer. So what makes you think it's okay to do it with an applicant? When most people tell me right now, it's easier to get customers than it is to get people to apply for your jobs, good ones to apply. And uh, so we encourage everybody within 15 minutes of receiving the application, that person gets a response to let them know if they're moving forward or not. Mm -hmm. so moving forward doesn't have to be anything fancy. For a lot of us, uh, a lot of our clients, they'll automate that 15 minute follow-up where 15 minutes will go by and the system can actually look at the way they answered some questions. You can almost quiz them a little bit. And the system will actually say, hey, we really like what we see here. We'd love to schedule for you for an interview. Click this link to get on our calendar and, you know, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll 
couple of days or, or however it works or, or for a phone screen or whatever that is, whatever that process yes. is like. And you can automate that. And then when you're going through the system and you're like, yeah, I don't like this one, don't like this one, don't like this one, and you reject them, the system will automatically send the rejection email for you so you don't have to feel bad about doing it. Right. And uh, a lot of the systems will actually have it set up that when you reject someone, you can delay it. You want to delay it one day, three days, five days. And everybody's like, delay it five days. I'm like, why? <laughs> You're going to reject them. Like, let them know now. Rip the bandaid off. Say, hey, we got your application. Thank you. But we're going to free you up to go apply for other jobs. You don't have to sit around waiting. I've never understood why people are so hesitant to tell someone no. And probably because they don't like to hear no themselves. Right. But you know what? After you do hear no, it is so freeing to know that you can move on. That you don't mm -hmm. have to sit there and wait anymore. Uh, so why they choose not to do it, I think it's fear. You know, there's some people that'll say, oh, my attorney says you can't do it. And there's some legal compliance stuff. But I think mean, you're never going to get in trouble by telling someone, hey, you weren't a good fit. Right. right. Now, if you tell them they weren't a good fit and you give them some protected class reason like you could get in trouble you know i didn't like the way you looked or something that's a problem but uh yeah you're not going to get in trouble by just saying hey we decided to move on and, and pursue other candidates who more closely fit the job description which that i think is one of the big issues that a lot of people have is they don't really know what the person's supposed to do mm -hmm. and they're like oh we need someone to do this like great what's that mean they're like oh they're going to do x y and z great how are we going to know if they're doing a good job Ooh. You know, people are like, I don't know how we're going to know if they can do a good job. We don't know how we're going to grade them or how we're going to score them. We just need someone to sit in the seat. We'll figure it out later. And I think that's where a big problem comes in is that when we don't know exactly what that person's going to do, how we're going to grade their success or measure their results, when we don't know those things, it's really hard for us to make a decision up front if that person's going to be a good fit or not. Right. Like shifting a little bit, um, yeah. right? So, now let's talk about after hiring. So you mentioned about how to keep the person, right? And, you know, doing trainings. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, you talk because, you know, when, when again I was preparing. So you talk about, you know, the rock star employee. So how to identify who is the rock star employee and how to find them? Yeah. So, um, you know, this came out of Radical Candor. It's a, it's a book that talks about some of these processes and, in the book, the author mentions that um, there's a difference between a rock star and a superstar. And I think a lot of people, they want to hire a rock star. Like that's what they really want. But they're so overwhelmingly impressed by the superstar that that's who they make the job offer to. And then they're mad a month later because it's not working out. And so the rock stars, are the, they're the rocks of your team. These are the people that are amazing at what they do, but that's all they want to do. They don't want to move up. They don't want the promotion. They don't want the, to manage a team. They just want to do the work you hire them to do. Mm -hmm. Superstars, on the other hand, they're the people that they want to move up fast. If they're in a position for longer than six months, you're either moving them up in your organization or they're going to go find another organization to work for. And so what happens is these superstars bounce around a lot. Uh, and when we're looking for a superstar, we're frustrated by them because they had six jobs in the last two years. We're like, we don't want that because they're just going to leave us. Well, the reason they left you is because they left the other person is because they weren't getting what they wanted. So can you give that to them? Rock stars, on the other hand, they don't interview very well. And mm -hmm. 
when we see a rock star and we actually hire them, um, we want them to come out of their shell a little bit more. We want the, them to take on more things like, hey, are you a team player? If you're a team player, then you'll help us do this. You know, like, well, that's not a good thing to ask rock stars because rock stars want to be really good at what they do. So your rock stars, the easiest way to identify them is when you bring on someone new in a role, who's the person that you introduce them to first and say, this person here will answer all your questions. They'll be able to help you with any issues that you have. They know the ins and outs of the role. They, they can do this. They know who to contact. Who is that person that you introduce the new person to? Because the person that you're introducing them to, that's the person that you're rocking on. Mm -hmm. Rock stars have all this tribal knowledge. They know all the ins and outs of your business. You'd be lost without them. And you know it, but because rock stars don't like to rock the boat, they don't like change. They want to stay doing the thing. They've been with you for six, seven years. And so you become complacent and you think, well, they, they haven't left in six years. They're not going to go anytime soon. And we forget to invest in them and we forget to take care of them. And then all of a sudden, one day the rock stars had enough and wants to go somewhere else and you feel lost without them. So the, the, the easiest way to identify them is who do you introduce the new person to? That's usually your rock star. Mm -hmm. And then you just need to pour into them and find out what they want to grow in. A lot of times rock stars want to grow personally more than they want to grow professionally because professionally they're, they're solid. They're top 10%. There's not a lot of place for them. Maybe there's a certification. Maybe there's an exciting project they can work on or something like that, but it's not like you're going to get them to climb the corporate ladder. It's not like you're going to promote them and get them to run teams. And so a lot of them want personal development. And that's one way you can really retain them is by helping them grow personally. Yeah. Now, Ryan, I know, um, you know, you, you have a book, right? So can, can you tell me what is it about and, you know, what uh, drove you to actually to, to write this book? Yeah, well, I've got two books. I have a brand new one that uh, is coming out right around the time this, this show is going to go live, which is awesome. Uh, the first book I wrote is called How to Hire the Ones You Won't Want to Fire. And it's a real short read. It's, it takes about 45 minutes to get through. And it's just a primer on the interview process. Because what I found was that the, the biggest mistake that most employers make is they don't do the interview well. There's mm -hmm. so many opportunities to really set someone up for success in the interview and find the right employee. So I wrote that primer to do that. Um, and that was back in the early days of COVID. So, I mean, that book's been out for a few years now. Um, but my brand new book is called Hire Better People Faster. And inside of that book, we, we dig deep into our entire core fit hiring system, which is our process for how you attract, hire, and retain rockstar employees. Um, everything from how you set your culture to where you go find them to setting up automation through ATSs and other tools to the interview process, onboarding them, engaging them. And finally, how do you know all this stuff's working? Like, what are you doing to assess it? How are you reporting the data? And I know a lot of people in the tech space love their data. Uh, we are heavily data driven uh, over here at Core Matters and our process supports a lot of uh, data driven decision making. Cool. Now, uh, if you can run, I mean, Ryan, with, you know, basically what is the main offering? So like, what exactly you help your customers? So I know that you have an apprenticeship, um, you know, model, right? So can you a little bit tell us about yeah. that? 
Absolutely. So my goal always is to teach someone to fish. Always. I believe that as the employer, or as the, the department head, you are going to make better hiring decisions being in it than a third party is ever going to. That's why most staffing agencies and recruiters and that kind of stuff don't always work out very well because you're in it. You're the one that can sell it. You're the one that you're building the relationship with. So I would rather teach you to do this stuff than to go do it for you. Now that said, most people call us and they're short staffed. Right? Like they need people. So they don't have enough people to, to take off some of the workloads that they can spend a lot of time doing it. So what we do with our clients is when we partner with them, we actually take our tools, we, we interview them, we take our tools, we modify them, we help them implement them inside their business. And then once they're implemented, once they're up and running and they're getting results, then we start teaching their team how to use it, how to make adjustments, how to tweak it, how to identify when something's not working. Because, I mean, you saw this with COVID and you see this with uh, economic change and, um, and, and political change. You see this all the time. The job market changes so fast. Just like you were, you were talking earlier, like you're in the tech space. You don't have time to produce stuff weeks or months out because things change so fast. Right. Same is true in the people space. There's a new new gig, uh, you know, a gig worker that comes in that says, "Hey, you can work part time when you want, where you want, and make this kind of money." All of a sudden, shows up in a certain industry, and that changes things. So, we want to make sure that people know how to modify, make adjustments, evaluate, make sure this stuff's working, and then of course. There's a ton of coaching that goes into this, you know, being able to have a conversation with a job seeker when you're scattered and, and you've got a hundred fires burning to take the time away and sit down and have a really good conversation with them during the interview. Sometimes that takes some coaching. It takes mm -hmm. some. Training. And so we do that as well when we partner with them. Uh, so really take the load off so that they can get the system implemented and then just be there alongside them, coaching their team, helping their team, supporting their team, making sure they're getting the results they want. That's great. And I think a lot of, um, you know, businesses will benefit from that. Uh, before I ask you where people can find you, I, I remembered something. Okay. Um, and this is not a tricky question. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything that we have missed we should have discussed? Is there any question you wish that I, I should ask you? Yeah, I think the... The one thing that would be really helpful to anybody listening right now, if they're struggling to hire people, is to consider that the majority, and in the tech space, it's probably close to 100%, but um, the majority of people, 90 plus percent of people are going to Google you before they apply for your job. So go Google yourself with the ignorance of someone who knows nothing about you with the ignorance of a new job seeker, Google yourself and see what they see. Do they like, do you like what you see? <laughs> Would you want to come work for you? Yeah. And so employer branding is a real critical piece to this because if you don't have the mechanism to attract people, all the rest of stuff's not going to matter. If, if the right yeah. people aren't applying the interviewing, the onboarding, the retention, none of that matters. You got to fix that first. And I think that employer brand is so important. Uh, we see a lot of people that have really bad glass door reviews uh, because honestly, who's going to review you on the employee side? It's going to be the ones that are mad at you. The good ones, you have right. to ask them for a review. They don't think about it. Right. So we run into a lot of people that have really bad glass door reviews. And the reality is if you type in your company name jobs, 
Google is going to look at Glassdoor and go, well, look, they're on Glassdoor. Let's see what their reviews look like. Same with Indeed or any of the other job boards. So Google yourself with the ignorance of a job seeker and see what they see and ask yourself, would I want to work here? And if not, fix it. Right. 100%. This is very good advice, I would say. And thank you for um, sharing this, uh, Ryan. Where we can find more about you and your offerings, Ryan? Well, I am available on LinkedIn, very active there. Um, and so anybody can look me up on LinkedIn, but my website is corematters.com. You can find out all about our programs. You can find out um, I've got a masterclass that you can take, a ton of free resources, downloads, everything else. Um, I also am going to have information there about my new book. Uh, anybody that purchases my book um, can log in and download 12 free tools, the tools that we actually use inside of our coaching and training program that will complement the book. PDF downloads, you can get that information as well. Um, and then finally, for listeners of your show, and I, I hope you can put this in the show notes, but if you go to corematters.com forward slash CTO hyphen show, I've got a free gift for your listeners. Um, oh, thank you very much, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Not only are they going to get the first two chapters of my book, not only are they going to get access to uh, an abridged version of our masterclass, a 10-minute deep dive, um, but we also have what we call a recruiting roadblock scorecard. And what that is, is it's a survey. It's a 14-question survey they can take, look at all seven components of our system, and help them identify where they need to start. And so they can go in there, they can, they can answer these 14 questions, it takes about two minutes, and they get a customized report that says, here's where you need to start on solving this recruiting problem. Thank you very much, Ryan, for this generous gift for my audience. Guys, you will see the links that Ryan mentioned in the show notes, of course. So whether you are listening to this on any of your favorite podcasting platforms or if you're watching this on YouTube, so in, in both cases, the links will be there. If you want to connect also with Ryan, so the website, his LinkedIn link profile as well will be there. Ryan, really, I enjoyed, you know, and I love this. I, I was, you know, I had um, the other day, Marquis, and we said, you know, I, I love, you know, whether it, it is a tech show and entrepreneurship show and, you know, like, you know, it's like the hustling, but I love these human conversations because recruitment and, you know, uh, you know, your, your domain is all about human interaction and human conversation. So that's why I love, um, you know, to discuss this on the show. And I was uh, very and honored to have you today here with me, Ryan. Thank you very much for all your insights and sharing your experience with us. And uh, as usual, this is how I end my show. Uh, this is for the audience. Guys, Like, please uh, keep the comments coming. Please keep the feedback coming. Um, if you want to you know, suggest something, you want to suggest a topic. I know like the other day, someone sent me about, you know, can we have other guest, for example, for the startup pitch tech thing. So I'm trying to do that also as well. Um, we're trying to diversify as much as possible. So we are not like monotone. And also if you are, if you are yourself, you know, interested to be on the show, you have an idea, you have a topic, which is, you think it's, should everyone knows about it. Don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm active also on LinkedIn, or, you know, you can send me an email. You can see the details on uh, CTO, uh, CTO show website, which is mavetcto.show. And uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. We'll meet again very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your tech-savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs. And leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.